everyone, and welcome to the Bloomingdale Church Podcast. My name is Max Terman. I am wearing a mask, and I'm your moderator. And with me this week is Esposa de la Pastora, Dan Marcello. Hello, Preacher Man. Newlywed game co-champion, Scott Reed. I'm also wearing a mask. (laughs) And muffiniest man in all the land, (laughs) Bill Calvin. Pass the muffins. Scott, will you uh, pray for us? Yeah, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this beautiful day. Thank you for the chance we have to be together now and to think and talk about you and your word. Um, Lord, we just pray that our insights would be helpful um, to each other and to those who listen. And Lord, that you would speak through us, that we would only say what's true. Anything else, Lord, would uh, just get forgotten um, and not be spoken. Mm. Uh, We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Scott? All right. I've been on a roll. I keep finding cars. I'm like, I don't recognize any of these questions. So we're just going to keep on going with our ask one question per thing. Um, Bill, would you rather always exit your house through an underground dirt tunnel, which you must crawl through on your hands and knees, nice, or exit normally, but have to sleep every night on cheap carpeting with no bedding at all? Huh. Oh, man. Yeah, it's very different. Yeah. Very different options. Well, I'm going to take the crawling. I figure I can do something to keep myself from being filthy all the time. But I, I just can't take sleeping on the floor anymore. Mm. Anymore. Yeah. Well, I mean, when you're young, it's like you can sleep anywhere, anytime, but not now. Fair enough. This is a good period of human history for us to stay in our houses. Like, you have, you have to, every time you leave, you have to go through a dirt tunnel. Not I mean, a problem. Also, think about it this way. You got a dirt tunnel in and out of your house. That's That's, for I, that's free. what's cool. I mean, my <laughs> grandchildren are going to love this. Yeah. <laughs> it's a real attraction. It increases the value of your home. That's like, it's probably like pretty dry, packed down dirt, mostly. Sure. Otherwise, how would it be a tunnel? It's going to be pretty snakes? dark. Are, do snakes that. live <laughs> underground in, in this state? In Illinois? In the world? Not yeah. in the winter, they don't. There you go. Well, they, you're safe in the winter. I mean, one time I was <laughs> passing out flyers, and there was this one yard, and they had two snakes and they were even rising up and oh looking my. at me i just thought i am not putting a flyer on that door this is <laughs> nuts have two snakes that i've spotted already how many more do they have <laughs> that's wow. weird max would you rather have very very smelly underarm sweat Jeez. or non-odorous underarm sweat that nonetheless causes terrible stains on all your clothes Oh. Now, the nonetheless kind of makes it sound like the other one also causes terrible swain stains. <laughs> well, so which one? You but get I, to decide. I guess let's assume that it's either very sweat, smelly, mm-hmm. but it doesn't cause stains. Or very visible. Or it doesn't smell, but it's super visible. Uh, if I had to choose a, se- uh, a sense, I would definitely want it to be sound. I want very loud Invisible, odorless sweats, please. <laughs> Sounds like firecrackers. <laughs> um, uh, I think I'm gonna go with the second one with the visible, visible stains. Ooh, what, Bill? <laughs> oh, you're never gonna get married now. What? <laughs> <laughs> As opposed to if you have permanent Horrible. armpit smell. Just keep putting on more shirts. Like your wife nuts. <laughs> oh no! Look at these shirts. You gotta marry a lady that has no sense of smell. Ooh. Or no sense of sight. Since you chose the invisible one. Um, <laughs> just move the on. The jury's still out. Just on move on. Dan, would All you rather have decision. the ability to see 10 years into your own future mm. or Ooh. one year into the future of the world? 
one year into the future of the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Cool. certainly interesting and right now. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking of the stock market. You could just make a killing. True, but is that honest Horse or races. not? Is that is that cheating? Ooh. That's, That's that the hard would probably part. be it's insider your trading. Superpower. <laughs> Take it. Bill. <laughs> 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 it reminds me of uh, a Back to the Future and Marty McFly was betting with the magazine True. that he bought from the, mm-hmm. the future. You know? like, oh, Dan gets to see the future and I have sweat stains. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the worst superpowers ever. Maybe I'll be able to see into your future and see that it goes away. That would be great. <laughs> All right. And would I rather have a 400 pound friend as my fishing partner in a small robot? Rowboat. <laughs> Or have as my partner a very nervous, fidgety friend who can't swim and is deathly afraid of water. Uh, I'll go with the fidgety friend because I feel like a 400-pound 400 400 friend like could very easily drown me. You don't swim? I swim. You are afraid of like water, though. I'm not afraid of water. I'm afraid of sharks. Right. <laughs> the big difference. And where do sharks live, Scott? <laughs> not in the ponds. <laughs> not in Roselle. <laughs> not yet. That's after the jet ski fund. After then the we fill the lake with sharks. <laughs> and we can do like cool tricks and stuff. Over the sharks. Uh, it's time for What You're Reading. For What You're Reading this week, we're bringing in a new segment. Say goodbye to Bill's book reviews and oh. say hello Ooh. to Boundaries with Bill. Oh. Uh, I've been reading Henry Cloud's <laughs> book, Boundaries, lately. Uh, and chapter one ends with seven key questions about biblical boundaries. Uh, that is boundaries in our lives that are based on the Bible. Uh, so we're going to take a different one every week, give the panel a chance mm. to talk about it. Mm. Uh, I think boundaries are, are more important than ever, uh, largely because technology you know, has given us access to everything and has given everything access to us. Um, my father, for example, refused to have a smartphone until 2015 because he didn't want to have his email in his pocket. He didn't mm. want to be accessed. You mm. know? Yeah. He didn't want people to be able to reach him whenever they needed to. Uh, so he, he limited technology in order to, to maintain boundaries, which I think is cool. Uh, this isn't just for Bill. This is, of course, a discussion for all of us. But, Bill, I hope you'll start us off on our question this week, uh, which is, can I set limits and still be a loving person? Yes. Yes, you can. I mean, even Jesus set limits. Hmm. If you think about it, he was healing people left and right. And they stayed with him into the night. He just, how do you stop? So then it would come to an end, and he would say, we've got to go to another place so I can preach the gospel. So he's leaving people behind. And that has really made a big impact on me, that Jesus had to leave people behind when he was walking on this earth because he had a higher mission than simply healing. He also wanted them to come to salvation. So my answer is yes, you can be loving because Jesus was loving as he did that. I think that setting limits is sometimes the most loving thing you can do, Mm. depending on the situation, but also for your own self. If you never set limits, you can easily become exhausted. And then what what kind of effectiveness can you have for the Lord and for what you're doing and just working at half capacity? So Mm. really the most loving thing you can do for others is to set those limits so that you're having time to connect with God and your relationship with him is strong so that out of the overflow of your heart, your mouth will speak and mm. you know, be something that will encourage and build up other people. Sure. I think one of the easiest ways to think about setting limits is obviously in, in parenting, right? Being, <laughs> having to set boundaries, having to set limits. How can we mm-hmm. set limits with peers? How can we set limits with our bosses? I think in a work environment, you know, Jesus didn't come to heal. 
he healed as a vehicle of like what he came to do, which mm. was to preach the good news and then to die on the cross and be resurrected. And so like if it's in a job situation, say you're, you know, like a, I don't know, a salesperson or whatever, and your job, the reason you're there is to make sales and, you know, your boss has you working on something else and, or, or tries to, to, you know, to kind of put this new thing on you um, or, or imagine any situation where your job is to do X and you're being asked to do this other sort of peripheral thing to say like, you know, this is not what you hired me to do. Hmm. This is maybe even not like what I'm good at doing. Um, like if this is what you want me to do, like maybe we should have another conversation, but like I need to do the thing that I was hired to do that you wanted me to do that I agreed to do. Hmm. Um, and that's, I think that's very similar to what Jesus did of, you know, this is what I came to do. This is, this is fine and well and good. I'll do this as I have time. Hmm. But like, there's a more important thing for me to be doing right now. Hmm. Uh, and then like in a professional setting where the roles are clear, theoretically, I think that's a way that you can do it. I mean, like, this is what I'm really here for. Hmm. And I want to be a team player. I want to help out. But like, if it gets in the way of the big thing that I'm doing, then that is when it becomes a problem. Hmm. Setting boundaries isn't, really like an exact science. It's definitely something that you have to practice and learn how mm -hmm. to do. Um, what is a good response when we try and set limits and the response of the person who's most directly affected of them is like, you're not loving me? Well, you have to discern. Are they being manipulative? Mm -hmm. People that really do care about you rarely would say that. Mm -hmm. You would have to be truly mm -hmm. not loving them. But I guess I'm around a lot of healthy people. It just mm. it just doesn't happen. Sure, mm. there are times I think where you set a boundary and someone's not happy with it, and they're not they're not happy at the outcome, or maybe happy that you can't do something they wanted you to do for them. Just being being willing to say, "Hey, I I care," like verbalizing, "I love you, I care about you." Please hear that, and like you've know me, and you've seen that like evidenced in my treatment of you. Mm. But like, I can't do this x whatever it is yeah something that i've learned in the last few years um and i don't know how you would articulate this but maybe it's something to be aware of is that when you always say yes to things the things that you're doing not all of them necessarily maybe even only like one or two but like they start to suffer for it mm. um you know like if you're mm -hmm. if, let's just put it say it's a friend and they want to go to dinner with you and you just had like a crazy busy week and you're so tired, mm -hmm. and you want to say yes, but if you go to this meeting, you're going to be tired and cranky and like not focused on what's going on. Mm -hmm. Like that's not helping anybody. That's like a bad experience for both of you. Better to to have the boundary and say like, I really want to spend this time with you, but I I can't right now. I need to have this personal boundary so I can have some time to mm. whatever. Um, but like maybe let's do this another time um, because saying yes to everything is going to tarnish these experiences, these what should be like really positive experiences, um, even if it's not for them, like for you. And mm -hmm. like if you go into this and you have like a really crappy dinner with your friend, like now you're going to maybe in the future be a little bit less inclined to spend time with that friend because now through no fault of theirs, like you've built up this little, little tiny bit of like bad experience with them. Sure. And like that's not good. Mm. Um, so just being aware that like saying yes might actually not just like hurt you, but also hurt the person that you're mm -hmm. saying yes to if you're overextending mm -hmm. yourself because yeah. you're going to provide a less than optimal whatever it is that you're trying to provide. That's a good point. Mm -hmm. Saying no can be harmful and sometimes saying yes can be as well. Yeah. Uh, it's time for Sermon Roundup. Yeah! Yeehaw! 
I've missed that so much. <laughs> I did have somebody be like, I missed the yeehaws. So Yeehaw. You're well you're well loved, Dan Marcello. Uh this this week, uh, our very own Dan Marcello preached talking about uh areas of trust, trusting God and and prayer, what that looks like. Um near the end or or so. Um <laughs> the middle third. Near when I stopped paying attention. <laughs> Uh, you <laughs> talked about, you defined woe uh, as being more of like uh, pity for a misplaced trust, mm-hmm. uh, pity for a life of misplaced mm-hmm. trust, which reminded me of, of the book that the Sav is reading, Don't Waste Your Life by John Piper. Um, mm. But one of your, your bullet points under that was talking about, in, in my struggle with trust, am, am I relying on my own resources and plans to comfort, guide, and help myself. And I, I wanted to ask, what are the signs that we can see in our own lives that show us I am relying on mm-hmm. myself? I am living a life of misplaced trust. Mm. You know, how can, uh, if, if we're in too deep into our own lives or in our own heads or just so focused on, you know, everyday operations of our, of our world, what are the warning signs that we can see? I think that's an excellent question. I think one of the things just to start us off, not, not just me to answer, because I was a preacher. But please, I invite more people to talk about it. None of you should say anything except for Dan. No. <laughs> Duly noted. <laughs> thinking about people making decisions, I think one of the one of the warning signs is when you go to make decisions that you it's just you don't even take the time to consult God hmm. in making a decision, big or small. Hmm. And of course, I don't mean a small decision like should I get this coffee? Let me pray. <laughs> like like life decisions and. and and things that we should ought, ought to be consulting God on, like if we're going to change jobs, for example, or if we have this like a struggle and issue with family, like family issue or drama or that kind of thing, mm-hmm. or just trying to solve life's problems on like on our own. Like I'm just going to go do that, but mm-hmm. not taking it to God and saying like, what would you like me to do? Mm-hmm. Maybe we're very capable people, like probably most people are of making decisions, and it's just not natural for us to do that. Yeah. I think that's an important part of. Kind of letting go and allowing ourselves to trust God. Mm. Like, hey, the results are up to you, but I really want to consult you before I, I leap in with both feet. Yeah. One thing I really liked in Dan's message comes from Luke six twelve. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him. That is really convicting. Mm. Jesus has an important decision to make and he spends a night talking with the father the whole night you think you only need 12 i mean right this should be done in less than an hour mm-hmm. and he's had time with these people right it looks like he's got maybe 70 to choose from he's picking the 12 and one of those 12 is judas and it's not because jesus did not realize who Judas was, but because he did realize who Judas was. Mm-hmm. I just love that passage. It just makes it so clear. We've really got to spend some time praying in order to make the right choices in life. But I've never spent a whole night praying over a decision like that. Sure. Here's a, a, an example that's very relevant. Right now, as you consider the results of the election, which maybe when this is out we'll know, but mm-hmm. we don't as of Wednesday, and when you consider the results of the election and, and the uncertainty, are you panicked? Are you really, really worried that someone might get elected who you don't think should hold the office? Not that we shouldn't care about politics, but maybe that means that 
that you're putting a little bit too much trust in, in the president and mm. not enough trust in the sovereignty of God. Mm. Or if it's a financial thing. This is something that I wrestle with a lot, like financially. Like if you're really, really worried about like, oh, are we saving enough money this week? Or mm. can we afford to do that? Or is you know should we try and save that money instead? Or you know, are we going to be okay? Are we, are we putting away enough for the future? Are we, you know, whatever it is, maybe you're trusting more in money than in God. Mm. Um, mm. So I think if you have like a lack of peace about something, not that we shouldn't think about these things and and even have concern about you know making sure that we're we are voting diligently or we are saving diligently now that's fine to be wise in in how we live our lives but if it's beginning to cause uh, undue anxiety or mm. again just like a lack of peace mm. that might be uh, evidence that you're putting a little bit too much trust in mm. whatever that thing is that you're thinking about yeah kind of goes back to to boundaries by Henry Cloud in that uh, he talks about sort of these these metrics that we have for measuring success are sort of ingrained in us at a very young age, right? And um, he references Proverbs of, of raise up a, a child in the way he will go, and even when he's old, he will not deviate from it. Sort of these, these ideas of what are valuable, ways of measuring how well we're living our lives, like stick with us. And I think we go back over and over and over to those measurements when we're scared or confused. Um, and kind of like what both you and Dan are saying, and we've talked about this in previous weeks, when there's a need for healing. It's not, do you go to a doctor or do you pray? It's what is your first impulse? Are you, are you going to God first or are you going to humanity first? When, when you have that fight or flight in your heart, what are you reaching for first, right? What are you running towards mm -hmm. first um, to help you make a, a quick decision? And yeah, I think that's, I, I just really appreciated that in your, your message, Dan. Well, thank you, sir. Like in the episode of Friends, when Joey and Ross and Chandler are going on a ride-along with Phoebe's cop boyfriend, and they hear what they think is a gunshot, what do they go to save? And Joey goes to save the meatball sub. <laughs> that's what he really valued <laughs> more than his friends. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Like so many things in the Bible, it's just like Friends. Yeah. <laughs> Well, well, let me touch on this. Okay. I thought this was so neat. The service is over, and I spot two small children. And it hits me, oh, I wonder if they even knew we have children's church at 830. Hmm. So I go up to the mom, and I said, did you know we have children's church? She says, no, I didn't. And I begin to apologize. Oh, I'm so sorry. She says, no, don't apologize. This worked out great. I thought, what's here? Hmm. She says, Charlotte was listening. And at the end of the service, she said to me, Mommy, I need that forgiveness of sins like Pastor Dan talked about. And so they walked in the lobby and they spotted Nancy Calvin and they <laughs> said, Charlotte wants to receive Christ into her life. So Nancy and the mom and the mm. little girl all prayed together. And you think, this is awesome. Mm. This is awesome. This is, this is why you have children's churches, to get it down to their level. And, and she was ready and she wanted it. Yeah. And Dan had it at her level. So that, man, to me, that is the highlight of the sermon. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah this, for me too. This Praise was God. the result. One last note: what you said, Dan, about praying whether or not you should get coffee. Is there? The answer is no. Of like, is there something too small? To, I was just, I was just throwing out an example of I triviality. Know, yeah. I know, but that's kind of like. But I don't think God would mind if you did. Right. I know. I think. I think He delights in the praises of His people and delights in prayer. Hmm. And so He. I'm not sure what kind of answer you get if you thought, prayed, Lord, should I go to Duncan? 
or not. <laughs> not sure what he'd say. Right. <laughs> but maybe he'd say no because he has you not go because they're getting a car accident or who knows. Hmm. I found a couple hmm. years ago, um, I had just read The Hiding Place. Hmm. I get that confused with the Diary of Anne Frank in my brain. But The hmm. Hiding, I had just finished reading The Hiding Place and um, there's this awesome part in that book uh, where... Um, I do not remember her sister's name, but I know you Betsy. do, Max. Betsy. And apparently, Bill does too, which shouldn't <laughs> surprise me. So Corey and Betsy are in a camp, and um, and they go into the bunk room, and, and it, the beds, the mattresses are just like filled with fleas. Mm. And through some means or another, Corey finds Betsy thanking God for the fleas. And she's like, Betsy, what are you doing? And Betsy's like, well, the Bible says give thanks in all circumstances. Mm. And Corey's like, I don't think, okay, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and then like a little while later... Um, they have a Bible, which they're not supposed to have, and and so they're very happy to have it because um, they're believers, and, and they're having like a contraband search. And the prison guard just totally like bypasses doing a thorough search. Maybe it doesn't even search their area at all. I can't remember because of the fleas. Mm-hmm. And so like in that, we see that they weren't thanking God for the fleas because like, oh man, these fleas are going to save us <laughs> from getting our Bible confiscated. <laughs> They were just thanking God in all circumstances, like the Bible says. Mm. And uh, and mm. then God showed that there, these fleas were actually going to yeah. you know, do something amazing. Yeah. So anyway, so I read that. I was like, that's super cool. I want to do that. So I'm traveling through Europe with a friend of mine, and I start just kind of thanking God for everything as we go through just like all these wild experiences, and my foot nearly falls off, and we can't find our hotel, and we don't speak the language, and all sorts of crazy stuff. I'm just thanking God through all of it. And I'm not trying to do like the Christian thing and be like, oh, thank you, God, for this because I know, like, and like over-spiritualize it. Right. But I found that as I was genuinely trying to thank God for everything, that's what would happen. Not over-spiritualizing it, but that I would I would be like, yeah, thank you for this pain in my foot. It's reminding me that, that you know, that this body is not permanent, that, it, that even at 22 or whatever, like mm-hmm. when I'm in the prime of my life, like I still have these issues and like you're coming, like, and it just sort of, over time became like, I'm thanking God for these things. I want to be genuine about it. So you see the ways that God uses the hard things. And I think praying in, the, in this situation is the same thing. You know, we're told to give thanks in all circumstances. Mm-hmm. We're told to pray without ceasing. Mm-hmm. And so I think if you do pray for these things, not to make like a bigger deal of them, uh, and not that you have to, but I think you'll start to, in a good way, spiritualize the, the trivial things of life. You know, mm. should I go to Dunkin' Donuts? Maybe. You know, maybe you'll be like, well, I really shouldn't. I should, I'm actually going to take that money. You know what? I'm, gonna, I'm not going to drink coffee this week. I'm going to take that 20 bucks I save, and I'm going to give it to the church. Or I'm going to go buy lunch for a homeless person or whatever. Or maybe you'll say, I, you know, I am going to go get Dunkin', Dunkin', but now that I've thought about it, I'm actually going to I'm going to talk to the person at the cash register. I'm going to tell them about Jesus. You know, and those are kind of extreme mm-hmm. results of praying about getting coffee, but it's possible. And I think you might find that mm-hmm. if you are praying without ceasing about everything, mm-hmm. that God begins to work even in those little teeny things that don't really matter. Mm-hmm. Reminds me of a book by this guy named Brother Lawrence who lived in like mm-hmm. the 15 or 1600s called Practicing the Presence of God. Pretty much exactly what you're saying, Scott. So I'd like to amend my original thing because I was just talking about trivialities. <laughs> 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 Say, just pray about that everything. Out, please. <laughs> <laughs> Next one, edit me out. So. <laughs> Uh, amen. It definitely can't hurt to pray about everything. Very true. Amen. Um, let's get into topic of the week. Uh, I forgot to read our sponsor for Sermon Roundup, so we're going to do back-to-back. Uh, Sermon Roundup was brought to you by the BC Learning Center. The Bloomingdale mm-hmm. Church Learning Center provides a place for guided learning in a Christian atmosphere. 
Or are we not supposed to say that anymore? No, that's good. <laughs> uh, we are serving our community by providing a learning space for students grades one through eight, currently participating in online school. The Learning Center is equipped with dedicated adult supervision, exceptional internet, and enough space to appropriately social distance. If you or someone you love is unable to do school at home, the BC Learning Center is for you. The BC Learning Center, Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. To learn more, visit bloomingdalechurch.org slash learning center. You have an update for us on that, Bill? Yes. We enrolled two new children today because Medina Public Schools, which has been in person all year long, has shut down and, and they're not even meeting, period, until Monday, and then it'll hmm. be all distance learning. So I'm hopeful that some of those people from Medina end up in our learning center. Yeah. Um, and topic of the week is brought to you by the online service. Bloomingdale Church is back indoors, but that doesn't mean you can't still watch our services from your own home. The weekend worship service goes live on... <laughs> you guys' names is the header of my of my uh, paper. Live on <laughs> so I was like, the weekend worship service goes live on newlywed game co-champion Scott Reed. Uh, <clears throat> the weekend worship service goes live on bloomingdalechurch.org every Saturday, so anyone who isn't comfortable coming in person can still participate in the life of Bloomingdale Church. The online service every Saturday. Visit bloomingdalechurch.org slash watch to tune in. Uh, for Topic of the Week this week, we are once again helping Scott prepare for his ordination by answering questions that will be asked on his final exam uh, <laughs> this week. Um, and we're going to watch him squirm as, right, right now. Right. Yes. Put him under the questions. spotlight like an ant in a magnifying glass. Prepared. Um, this week, um, it kind of connects to what you were saying, Bill, about Jesus praying um, about who his 12 disciples would will should be. Mm -hmm. and, and it led me to a question that I'll ask in a minute. Um, but the official question from the CMA to you, Scott Reed, and to all of us, uh, it's not just Scott, what is the biblical foundation that Christ had both a divine nature and a human nature, and why are both natures essential to the person of Christ? What is the biblical basis for saying that, God was, that, that Jesus was fully God and fully man, and why does it matter? There's a lot of uh, scriptures supporting that Jesus is fully God and fully man. Uh, here are five. Um, John 1 describes the Word, uh, capital W Word. We understand that the Word is Jesus. It says, in the beginning, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Okay, Jesus is fully God. John 1, 14, the Word became flesh, made His dwelling among us. Okay, Jesus was fully God, and at least in some way was also fleshly. Uh, Colossians 2, 9, for in Him the whole fullness of deity, fully God, dwells bodily, fully man. Um, Galatians 4.4, 4, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, the son of God, fully God, uh, born of a woman, born under the law, fully man. Uh, Hebrews 2.17, therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, fully man. Mm -hmm. Philippians 2, who being in very nature God, fully God, this is speaking of Jesus, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, hmm. fully man. So there's a lot. <laughs> it's, just, it's just all so over the Bible. Several. <laughs> um, but I think that the second question is more interesting, um, which is, why does it matter? And I think that Hebrews is super helpful with this. Um, there's mm -hmm. lots of good stuff in Hebrews yeah. about Jesus and about how he did what he did and sort of the technical side of it. Um, 
But the two passages I want to look at, one for fully man and one for or one for why his humanity matters and one for why his divinity matters. Uh, Hebrews two, fourteen to fifteen, and then also seventeen say he too, Jesus too, shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For this reason he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. <laughs> and so basically, Jesus had to be fully man uh, for his sacrifice on the cross to be relevant to mankind's issue of sin. If he wasn't mm. man, then he couldn't really be the substitution for man. Mm. Um, and then Hebrews 10, 11 to 14 say, day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest had offered for all time, this is speaking of Jesus again, when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, and since that time he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool, for by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Hmm. So Jesus' humanity, he had to be fully man for his sacrifice on the cross to be relevant to mankind's issue of sin. He had to be fully divine for his sacrifice on the cross to be completely effective at dealing with the issue of humanity's sin. Hmm. Well, that good being with you. All right, yeah. <laughs> that is all the time that we have this week. <laughs> that so, was very good. That was. Yeah, yeah. Tell me a little bit about the interaction between God, uh, Jesus being fully God and fully, fully man. Specifically, in situations like when he's you know going out praying for discernment of which of the 12 or which of these 75 disciples to, to, to sort of make this core group of 12, you know, why can't he just kind of cheat and have the part of him that is God kind of look outside of time mm -hmm. and, and tell him, like, how does that interaction work? We don't know. <laughs> That's what makes this such a fascinating mm -hmm. theological question. I, I don't think it's as simple as he had a toggle switch and just... <laughs> move into divinity mode here mm -hmm. because this is a tough thing for a mere human to deal with there's this other wild card with it that jesus is filled with the holy spirit mm -hmm. and he's got all these gifts of the holy spirit he can heal he can teach he can lead he there's no mention of him speaking in tongues but probably could do that too if you know what what could limit him and, and so that makes his human side so, I'm trying to think of the right word, but it's what caused me to say, okay, I can be better too. Hmm. Because hmm. the Holy, same Holy Spirit in Jesus Christ is in me. The Holy Spirit can give me what I need to do the work of the ministry, even when I'm in way over my head. Hmm. I think what you're saying, Max, too, comes down to the fact that Jesus did a lot of what he did to show us what we should do. And it makes me think of what Scott read from Philippians 2 of like he emptied himself. He made himself nothing, I think is what it says. And so that's evidence in that fact that he needed to trust and have dependence on God and go to God in prayer. And did he have to get baptized? Probably not necessarily, but he did it so that we would see that it's an important for us to yeah. do too. So mm -hmm. I feel like that, that has a lot to do with it as well, of showing us this is this is important. You should be doing this and kind of being that example. I, not asking us to do something he hasn't done first. Mm. The human side 
I don't have a verse for each of these things, but there is one. Things such as Jesus was tired. Mm -hmm. Jesus was tempted. Mm -hmm. There's no mention of Jesus ever being physically sick. That's one of the very few things that yeah. he may not be able to identify with us regarding. He saw sickness firsthand, but then mm -hmm. maybe he, yeah, there is no record. That's true. I never thought of that. Hmm. And he may not have had any sickness theologically because he had no sin. Mm -hmm. Sin and sickness are inextricably woven together. So it's pretty neat to think Jesus knows what it's like to be like me. Mm -hmm. He knows what it's like to be dead dog tired and people are calling. Mm -hmm. yeah. And he would dig deep and show great compassion for them, even though it was an extremely long day. Mm -hmm. That's I love that. Yeah. Yeah, if everything was easy for Jesus, just like, yep, I quit at five o'clock and I, I've got plenty of energy. And th then you'd think, well, no wonder you never sinned or no wonder you never got <laughs> cranky. Uh, I, I just think that is so neat. Mm -hmm. He really did walk a mile in our shoes. Right. And it just makes us be able to identify with him so much more because mm -hmm. he's been there. He's, he's lived a human life. Mm. He's been tempted way more sorely than we have. That's one thing I've learned from reading theology, that we get tempted, and we get tempted very, very thoroughly. Mm -hmm. But Jesus is being tempted by Satan himself, not just a demon coming around. Satan himself comes around and knows exactly what he should do to tempt Jesus that would make sense and, mm -hmm. and harangues him for 40 days. We read about the three temptations in the wilderness for 40 days. That's just the highlights, those three. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's mm -hmm. being tempted the whole 40 days. I'm sure that wasn't the only time. That was the only time that was recorded, except for yeah. maybe he felt that temptation at the before he went to the cross to say, Father, let this cup pass me. Maybe he felt tempted to mm. walk away. Who knows? Right. Yeah. Um, and that his human side not wanting to suffer and go through pain. Mm. But who knows how many more unrecorded instances of temptation there were. I'm sure many. Mm. Well, I'm thinking of that time the, he comes off the Mount of Transfiguration and a man comes with his demon-possessed son and says, mm. I went to your disciples and they couldn't heal him. If you can, and Jesus says, if I can, if you can believe. But in the midst of that passage, he says, oh, you people of little faith, how long must I put up with mm. you? And you think, boy, that's exasperation there ever was. <laughs> you know, how long do I yeah. have to put up with this? Hmm. As as Dan said, you know, in Philippians two, you know, it says Jesus, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, but instead he humbled himself, taking on you know, the nature of a servant. And we see there in in humbling himself that Jesus limited himself. Mm-hmm in at least one significant way, which is that he's not omnipresent anymore. He's got a body, so he's in right. one place. Yeah. Uh, so Jesus willingly put off some of, not the nature of his divinity, but like the perks, <laughs> oh, uh, <laughs> a funny word, but like the perks of his divinity, you know, sort of the trappings of his divinity. He was still truly God, which is one of the way that one of the creeds, I think it's the Nicene Creed, um, describes him. He's still truly God, but he's not. his divinity is not fully on display. And I would say, not that it's, it's, it's always accessible to him, mm -hmm. but he chooses to leave it at an arm's distance. 
uh, mm. at arm's length. And so what I see is in the temptation of Jesus, Satan comes to me and says, if you are the son of God, if you are really God, then change these stones into loaves of bread. Could Jesus do that? Yeah, I, probably. Um, I mean, I, I would think so, since he you know, turned two loaves of bread into five loaves of bread into enough bread to feed 5,000 people. Like mm-hmm. He could probably make some bread for himself if he wanted to. And he refuses, and he says, if you are the Son of God, jump off you know, the, the temple. Could Jesus have done that? Uh, yeah, he, he walked on water. He could probably walk on air. Like, right. Why not? Um, and then when Jesus is on the cross, the, the people come to him and they say, if you are the Son of God, save yourself and come down from the cross. Well, could Jesus have done that? Yeah, I think he probably could have. Mm-hmm. And we see in his prayer in the garden, I want your will, the Father. He's prayed to the Father. I want your will, not mine. In some ways, you know, as Jesus was the one suffering, it might have even been his will to come down off the cross. But through all of this, he willingly kept his divinity to a certain extent at an arm's length, because if he were to fully embrace his divinity and to leave behind you know, the, the, the struggles of humanity, make himself some bread, obviously that's not sinful, but it, you know, it, it does take away his, his ability to empathize to a certain extent. You know, mm-hmm. If he were to come down off the cross, obviously that's a really crucial example. If Jesus had fully embraced his divinity, come down off the cross, he wouldn't have accomplished his purpose mm. in coming, and we would not be here today. Mm. Uh, we would not be saved, because that was why he came. And so I think he set boundaries. <laughs> Jesus set boundaries for himself. Um, and so I think that that's you know, Jesus' humanity and his divinity are in this mystery that we can't fully ever comprehend. But we see that he very willingly limits himself and what he can do, and the purpose behind all of the limitations, not just knowing certain things or doing certain things. But I think we see the purpose of the limitations culminates. And when they say, if you're the son of God, save yourself on the cross. Hmm. And for the last 33 years, Jesus has been been receiving through one form or another, if you're the son of God, do this. If you're the son of God, do that. Even maybe in, within himself, you know, like, I have access to the full divinity, and yet I'm not going to do this or do that hmm. because I am here for this purpose. Hmm. Yeah. And even though I might want to do that, uh, like in the cross, you know, my will would be to not endure this this is why I'm here. Hmm. And if I do embrace this, then why I'm here is lost. Yeah. Mm. Um, so that was, those are my thoughts. Yeah. Sometimes I wonder in that, did mm. Satan know that Jesus was the son of God or was he trying to find out? Huh. Ooh, that's an interesting <laughs> question. Satan is that not... That's a good question. He's not... He's not God. He, he's not God. He doesn't know everything. He doesn't know the future. Right. Was he at the baptism? Was he watching? I don't think he, was, he wasn't invited. <laughs> I've often often wondered that. Was Satan like, hey, if you are the son of God, and part of it, like, is he? (laughs) I don't know. That's cool. No idea if that's biblical. (laughs) No idea what the answer to that question is. I've always lived with the belief that he was aware that Jesus Mm -hmm. was the son of God. Yeah. Never really looked at it the other way before. How many people are on this earth that he hasn't been able to trip up? So right. there's one True, man right? out there, <laughs> 30 years old. He's never seen sin. Sure, and that's like you would stick out like nobody's business, right? Mm-hmm. So the devil. It seems like Satan should be able to tell that Jesus is sinless, so. right? He should be able to see that. Yeah, you think so? 
Yeah. Well, but then, granted, yeah. yeah, there's a lot of things that Satan can't see. <laughs> but I'm thinking, too, of Jesus' birth. That isn't just Herod trying to mm. kill mm. Jesus. Satan is behind that. So I think Satan's trying to take Jesus Christ out as quickly as possible, mm. even at birth. Mm. Good point. Mm. Sorry for the rabbit trail. No, thank you. <laughs> as we begin to wrap up, um, I do want to say... Uh, this episode comes out on Friday, which means our listeners will probably know the outcome of the U.S. presidential election. I hope um, so. Of course, I thought the same thing about the World Series. So uh, <laughs> as of today, Wednesday, November 4th, 2020, the race uh, is still too close to call. But one thing that is clear um, is that there's been a massive turnout for voting uh, mm -hmm. in this country, which makes me proud um, as yeah. an American. Mm -hmm. I, I was telling a friend yesterday, the more people vote, the less anxious I get about the result because at least then we know that it's what the country wants. Good point. That's right. Yeah. What if there had been just horrific storms all across the United States and mm -hmm. people couldn't come out to vote? That, that's what I like about this idea of you can vote early, you can vote online, mm -hmm. you can vote with mm -hmm. mail. This is just terrific. I, I wonder, why didn't we do this before? I'm sure part of it was that we didn't have the technology and we didn't have like the reason to, right? We didn't have a justification for, okay, we got to build this infrastructure, yes, figure out, yes, we have to pay yeah. these people to figure but it out. But I don't think we're going to go back to the old way. I think this is something we learned that this is a good way to do it. Sure. Yeah. Um, but all that to say, listeners, you probably know what happened and we don't. And that's why we might be the best people to say that God's in charge <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. and that God doesn't change. So continue to pray for that. Listeners, if you would like to be part of the show, you can send questions, would-you-rathers, trivia quizzes, and election results to podcast at bloomingdalechurch.org. No votes. We said that last week. Yeah, well, now they can. It doesn't matter. Well, I guess that's true. Please well, don't. Well, not, not in Pennsylvania. All I had to say, don't, don't, say, don't fill the podcast <laughs> inbox with just <laughs> names of candidates. Uh, for our closing segment this week, it is time for bets. Only. Two weeks mm. ago, we asked which team would win the World Series and how many games it would take. Of course... Uh, we didn't have an answer to that yet last week, so we doubled down by asking how many home runs would be hit in games six and seven combined, and which team would hit the most. Dan has... I was the only one that was right about who won. Dan has... Are like you already protesting? <laughs> no, I'm just saying. I didn't get any jelly beans, but I was the only one that was right about who won. Well, they hadn't won yet. I'm just saying. What do you mean you didn't get any jelly beans? I'm just... Saying there has not been an opportunity for you to get jelly bet. beans yet. That's your fault. What do you mean? Bad <laughs> scheduling. All right, guys. The presidential debate has been over for a couple of weeks now. <laughs> You're just the vice president. I'm the, the co-president. Uh, Dan said Rays in seven with four home runs, the mo majority of which would be hit by the Rays. Scott said the Dodgers in five with four home runs, most of which would be hit by the Dodgers. Bill. Didn't make it this far because of his pick last Raising week. Raising six. Yeah, yeah. and uh, nothing of, is easy in this life. Uh, two home runs were hit in total, <laughs> split evenly between the two teams. <laughs> but fortunately, the Dodgers won uh, game six to clinch the World Series, meaning that Scott wins. Hooray! Congratulations. Then, after all this complaining, I am hesitant to give you your prize. That's fine. But congratulations on Thank your you. jelly beans, Mr. Scott mm. Reed. We do not have a bet this week. Um, so instead, I will say, listeners, uh, if you would like your voice to be on the podcast for 35 straight episodes, we started out the podcast with uh, someone from our congregation saying, hi, my name is such and such, and you're listening to the Bloomingdale Church Podcast. Um, starting when Scott and I went into quarantine, and up until now, I haven't been able to 
you yeah. know, make that happen. So the last three episodes have just started with the intro music. Interesting. Um, so if you're a fan of the show and you hate that and you want to go back to hearing the members of our congregation's voices, send in your yeah. voice clips to podcast at bloomingdalechurch.org. That is all the time that we have this week. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Dan. Thank, Thank you, you, Max. Bill, take us home. You have been listening to the Bloomingdale Church Podcast from Bloomingdale, Illinois, the heart of the nation. What? <laughs> That's blind and can't smell. Like, yeah, Dan, every look. year he'll just see. Who is it, Scott? Someone from Roselle. Well, thank You're on the Bloomingdale Church podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, um, <laughs> you're caller number one. I don't, I don't know, know how they would handle would that. Be. If I ever get a spam Bizarre. call during the show, can we do that? Um, <laughs> just answer. <laughs> you want to know something crazy? Living in Latin America, Election Day is a national holiday and no one works. Hmm. That makes sense. I was like, why didn't we do this in America from the beginning that yeah. more people could vote? True. It was brilliant. I was like, this is great. How was the bathroom? Well, my tent is a store called Wegmans from upstate New York. What's mm. so good about their bathroom? Oh, it was wonderfully scented, beautifully tiled, wow. warm in the winter, heated seat, Whoa. seat covers. Nice. Wow. wow, it was like the most beautiful bathroom. Is this like a department store? Grocery store. This is like a, a grocery high end, store. High end grocery store. Wow. What's it called? Wegmans. Wegmans. I've heard of that. Yeah, in upstate New York and then northern Pennsylvania. Mm. Um, I don't remember what I was in the middle of saying. So I think we're we'll talking just... about bathroom reviews. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Sorry. Yeah, boundaries. Right. Don't ba- talk about bathrooms on the podcast. I should have said That's boundaries and said, "No, Dan, wait. We don't talk about bathrooms Go on the, the podcast." Go to the bathroom later. All right. Um, let's just. We're gonna move on. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the cow said. We're gonna move whenever, on. Wherever it like the phone started ringing uh-huh. you just cut straight from that to Into well we're just gonna move on <laughs> before, like before the phone rings just in the middle of the sentence and so i think well we're just gonna move on <laughs>